Hello and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. This is the Oscar preview show and it is jam-packed. We've got our review of our final Best Picture nominee, Jojo Rabbit. We will get you all caught up in what's popping. And to wrap up the show, rather than doing Schoolyard Pick, we will do our Oscar Picks. Let's do it. episode of popcorn for breakfast with me as always your co-host kirk hello hello i am your other co-host cam we are coming at you with our third straight friday episode i think so wow do they like it no i mean i personally hate it so i'm just i'm speaking for everyone i don't know for sure this episode 28 yeah cool i think so yeah episode 28 it's a friday episode now what's nice about the Friday is when you get to Friday, you're ready to end it. You know, you're ready yeah. to your life. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. But yeah. You can listen to this pot. No, <laughs> this will help you from the brink. When you get to the end of the work week, you're just like, everything is the worst. Just get me. Who home. am I? Yeah. <laughs> You've what? lost all you're, sense you're of direction. You're spiraling into an existential crisis. You're like, I've been working for 40 hours. Which way is up? And I just want to go home. I got to know, like, do would people like this more on Fridays? It just kind of happened because of all the crazy sicknesses and whatnot. I would like to go back to early in the week. You like early in the week. We should do a poll. What I like about it, what I like about it, as we plan the show here, just with everybody listening. Sure. Because <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, is that movies come out on Fridays. Uh-huh. And so it feels like coming back from the weekend... You and I have seen the latest film, presumably. Usually, that's the case. Usually. Not so much during Oscar season, because we're trying to cover everybody's bases, but, you know, like this coming week, we're seeing Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. So, I think people will want to know early in the week, like, if they didn't go see it over the weekend, how Birds of Prey was. Do they have another week? They have more or, time, or right? Or maybe they saw Birds of Prey, you know, rushed to the theater to go see it, like us. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I want to see what those guys think. I don't know. I got you. I'm fine with either one, honestly. I, we'll, I'm see just, what, we'll see what happens. We'll let the people speak, because, and then we'll do whatever we want. Yeah, still. I like. Yeah, that's that's usually <laughs> what we do. We're like, let's do a poll, and then we're like, eh, I don't like the results of that poll. <laughs> it's like, oh, usually when someone says you don't, I don't know where this is from. My wife always says it. Like, usually when somebody says, I don't care, let's flip a coin or something like that. Yeah. You flip the coin, and then my wife will be like, What does the coin say? <laughs> and you'll be like, I'll say something like, I hope it's tails. She's like, okay, well, that's what we're getting. We're not even going to look at the coin wow. because you do have a preference. <laughs> you liar. Does she go through the whole flipping of the coin yeah, too sometimes? the whole thing, yeah. Bravo. <clears throat> yeah. I'm going to start a doing that with you. Reverse psychiatry for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, there's that. But I, I think, so this weekend is the Oscars. What? To bury the lead. The Oscars are oh, this weekend, Kirk. 92nd. Oh, and they're early, and I hate it. I, I wish we had more early. time, even though we're on time, having seen all of the Best Picture noms. Best Picture noms, yeah, but there's there's more. It's like 57 films, right? Yeah, I was talking to Stefano, um, and he was he was mentioning the short films. Usually you have a chance to see the short films. They do like a... Yes. 
um, a run in the theater. What am I saying? Compilation of them in the theater. Mm-hmm. Well, that happened, and it was like like two days. <laughs> you know, usually oh. you have more time than that to like get out and see it. So I still feel like I have quite a few films to see to get ready. I like to watch um, some of the foreign film, foreign mm-hmm. language film nominees, and yeah. Or if um, if any of the acting categories aren't nominated for the the big one, yeah. So Harriet, Bombshell. Mm-hmm. Figure um, out what happened in those films. The, um, beautiful day in the neighborhood things like that all three of those are based on true stories that's crazy yeah yeah so uh we got the oscars going on as i mentioned in the open we're going to do our oscar picks mm-hmm. instead of schoolyard pick and so we'll do an abbreviated version of oscar picks we'll hit all the big categories uh, but then you and i will put out our full ballot probably saturday maybe sunday yeah, probably minutes before depends, the Oscars. Yeah, it depends on how long we procrastinate. So An far. hour into the Oscars, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, so we got that going on. Lots and lots of movie news this week. We're going to get into that. And, of course, we're talking about Jojo Rabbit. Jojo. Taika Waititi's um, adapted film, adapted from a book called Caging Skies. I did not realize it was adapted until this very moment. Yep, sure is. That's sure cool. is. Um, very interesting movie. Excited to talk about it. And that will um, put the put a little bow on the Best Picture noms, and we will have reviewed all of them. So that's a good feeling. And you guys heard it here first. Sense of accomplishment. Yeah. And then uh, next week we're seeing Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. It's getting good reviews. We shall see. We shall see. It because has 49 good reviews. I'm excited to see it. Um I try to read as little as possible about these things for a number of reasons um, because I don't want to, I don't want to accidentally absorb someone's takes into my brain before I see something. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I saw when I was scrolling Twitter and I'll actually, I'm forgetting which, which critic it was, but it's one of my favorite critics said me, this movie is like Deadpool, I, like Deadpool. Yeah. It's like DC oh. version of Deadpool, which I was like, hmm. Okay. That piques my interest, for sure. Yeah. Um, which reminds me, I saw We Got This Covered. Are you familiar with We Got This Covered? No. They're kind of sketchy. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a, it's a blog. They report a lot of things. Sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're wrong. They oh. were right about Kenobi. If they're ever right about anything, they're always like, we were right about this. We were right about this. We were right. <laughs> anyway. They had a post the other day saying that Deadpool's next appearance will not be in Deadpool 3. It will be before then. Oh, uh, do you think in a cameo, like a short cameo, or do you think like save the day team up with the rest of the Marvel crew? I don't know. I could see, I think, so I think that tons of people are going to be involved in this multiverse of madness movie. Yeah. Because of the nature of it because it's the multiverse and they're going to be going mind bending crazy nonsense going on the mm. whole time. Um, so that seems like an obvious place to kind of like throw in new characters or introduce old characters. Does the multiverse film kick off the next phase? Is that, is that no. in spot one? What's in spot one? Do we know? Uh, Black Widow. Black Widow. Duh. Yep. yep. <clears throat> okay. Perfect. Yeah. Black Widow. And then, um, Eternals, I think. Okay. I think Eternals is the next one. I could be wrong, though. That's got like a November release, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think they've got two releasing this year, and it's Black Widow and the Eternals. And then three or four films releasing in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. That's where they they up the ante there. So lots of things coming from the MCU. Why don't we just jump into what's popping, Kirk? 
why don't we just fly right in there? Because, because we have lots of Disney Marvel type news. We've never done that before. I know. Can you believe it? <laughs> Disney and Marvel news on this show, on any show, anywhere. Wow. This is it's hard to believe. Groundbreaking. So back for our, what did I call it last week? What's the segment? Disney uh, Palooza? Palooza news. Yep. There we go. That's the new segment. We need like a fart noise sound effect for <laughs> for that. Of all the noises. <laughs> That's what I just decided right now. It's like Disney Palooza news. Um, Ryan, our producer, could you please get us a fart noise jingle? <laughs> yeah, he's rolling his eyes. Okay. Um, where to start? So Bob Iger addressed the shareholders to talk about the state of things into heading into 2020. Bob Iger's time's running out with Disney. He said he's out of here after 2021. What? Yeah, so he was supposed to retire earlier on, but then Disney Plus happened, and he was like, I'm going to hang around to see how this goes. And so he self-imposed a retirement date of 2021. That's what he's getting out. Anyway, that's a side note. So he was talking about the future of, of course, Disney Plus. Disney Plus is really the big topic of conversation as far as Disney goes. Um, he dropped a lot of little nuggets that we should talk through. So first, he gave us release dates. So during the Super Bowl, which was last weekend, yes, we got this really surprising and awesome trailer for the Marvel expanded universe or expanding universe. I forget what they said. Like a mashup. They basically just said like the universe is expanding. Yes. And it showed us clips of Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, WandaVision and Loki. Yes. Those were the three. So we got release dates for Falcon and Winter Soldier confirmed. That's August, which had been reported before, but had yet to be confirmed. Um, And then WandaVision, also got pushed up to December, as had been reported before. So both of those new shows coming out this year, mm-hmm. 2020, with Loki as a fast follow in 2021. Um, Mandalorian, which of course is on everybody's mind, comes out in October of this year. So Mandalorian season two. Mm-hmm. So they're on a fall every year kind of cycle going on there. And Star Wars was really sort of the big conversation because the Star Wars trilogy most recent trilogy, seven, eight, nine, while successful was marred with controversy. Fans couldn't make up their minds about what they wanted. There was a lot of antsiness. You know, there were reports that Kathleen Kennedy was involved heavily with rise of Skywalker because they needed it to be a success. Yada, yada, yada. You got the Kenobi rumors, which we talked about last week, kind of swirling around. Like there's a lot going on with star Wars that feels not like negative energy, but just uneasy. Mm-hmm. And Bob Iyer's response was like, hey, you know, Star Wars future is in TV. And that's how they view it. And um, that's evidenced by the fact that we've got The Mandalorian Season 2. There's this Rogue One prequel that's happening, which I don't know if that's a series or a film. or I don't know either. That came out of nowhere. Right. It's a prequel to a prequel. Yeah. They're prequeling the prequel. Pre-prequel. Prequelception. Ooh. So, yes, which I which I assume will involve Diego Luna in a pretty significant role because after Rogue One came out and was a smash success, you know, it became like the new bar, really. Rogue One was the new bar of quality for Star Wars. Um, still is. And 
after that, they were like, we have to get more of this. They were talking about a Diego Luna TV show at that time. I don't know if that's what this project is. Sure. Um, but they're definitely, they're, they're talking about uh, Mandalorian spinoff series potentially coming down the pike. So future of Star Wars is in television. How do you feel about that, Kirk? I think it's great. I think we deserve to dive deeper into these characters that, that they keep just throwing our way. Because we all have our own sense of who each character is in the Skywalker saga. But now we get to get these whole new list of characters and see them go through more journeys than our original heroes. Yeah, I mean, I'm torn on this. You're torn, okay. I, I have to admit, I, I like your take a lot. I like a lot of it. I And the reason I really get excited about television as the future for Star Wars is because I think that Star Wars, with the world being as elaborate as it is, similar to Lord of the Rings, actually, really lends itself to long-form storytelling. Mm. And I think that The Mandalorian will continue to be successful as long as they you know, remain disciplined on that front. But there's something very cinematic about Star Wars that I just don't feel like you can achieve because of money and other things. Like, I mean, if they're going to put as much money or more into these television series, you know, to the point where a 10 episode series costs just as much or more of as like a rise of Skywalker style film thing. Mm -hmm. Great. But I felt like you could tell with the Mandalorian that like set design and all that stuff was kind of just a tick tick below. Yeah, even some of the CGI was like, huh? Yeah, certainly. Wonder if I wonder if they did fewer episodes, but longer episodes. So like Sherlock Holmes style. Yeah, I I dig that, and I think keep the cast small. Yeah. You know, keep the cast exceptionally small. We don't need we don't need a thousand characters. We just need a core central a central core of characters. Yeah. So so I, I go I go both ways. I really like seeing Star Wars in cinema. There's just something so epic about it. Mm-hmm. But if they can achieve the same thing and tell a richer story, I mean, like I said about the Mandalorian, it's it's I mean, it's one of the richest Star Wars stories we've had. We spent more time with that character than we do with a lot of Star Wars characters and He's really consistent, well-written, well-developed. You know, that show's not perfect, but more of that would not be a bad thing by that, any means. Nothing is perfect. Yes, that's absolutely true. Let's remind ourselves of that toxic Star Wars fandom. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Nothing, nothing is perfect. Nothing is that's right. perfect. Um, more, more stuff on the Marvel front. So this is where things got interesting. Bob Iger talked about Loki. He talked about WandaVision. He talked about Captain... Oh, sorry. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I keep wanting to say Captain America and the Winter Soldier because that's the name of that movie. On that note of confusing those two characters, if you went on to Prime this week, you probably would have gotten fooled. That's that's right, Amazon Prime. They have a film with a logo called <laughs> the, Fa- <laughs> the Falcon and the Snowman. Yeah. Which looks like identical font. I dig that. It's a 1985 film with Timothy Hutton and Sean Penn. It's the biggest troll it's it right, is. It's right when you open up Prime. You can't miss it. So. Oh, that's class. I mean, that's classic Amazon. Well done, Amazon. Well they're, done. They're just pure evil. I had to bring guys. that up. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's like Kimba the Lion Prince. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. That's, that's, that's what that movie is. That's the oldest trick in the book. So I respect the hustle, to be honest with you. Um, I'm going to go check that out. Looks great. We'll watch it tonight. Falcon and the Snowman. <laughs> that's next on my list. Uh, that's actually hilarious. But. <laughs> So we talked about those three programs. 
And then he said, there are seven other Marvel television shows in various stages of production, which by process of elimination, (laughs) we're left with two question marks on that list of seven because we've got She-Hulk, Moon Knight, What If, Miss Marvel, and Hawkeye that we know about, that we know about. And there are two others in various stages of production. Hmm. Shall we speculate wildly? Permission I, to speculate wildly. Permission granted. Okay, thank, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. It sounded like a whip. It was a gavel. So I could see X-Force being one of these. Oh. Though, it's what's interesting, it, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see where Disney Plus kind of goes in terms of their content. I feel like X-Force needs to be, I don't know raunchy not raunchy but just like more mature um i mean uh, the simpsons are on disney plus but like if that's where they draw the line then that pretty much crosses off like dark daring um yeah um fantastic four maybe though that's probably too big a budget for they would probably want that to be a feature film because they're a big deal they'd probably it has to be a film first and then maybe a show i don't know they just have to get that right before they um i can see inhumans because yeah. they kind of tried that movie and it was kind of a failed experiment, didn't really catch. Um, but they they like that. I know that Marvel's a big fan of that project. They think it has potential. Some of those characters are cool. Um, Black Knight is the one I saw a lot of people talking about. That could be cool. That would be cool. Um, I don't know. Miles Morales, I'd be down with. Though the Sony thing mucks all that up. It does. Obviously. What about like Hyperion? Oh. I would love me some Hyperion. Yeah, I mean, I think they should use the TV shows as a chance to get weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, also, I want I want the Defenders back at some point. You know, like I want I want Luke Cage and Daredevil back, like presumably. So they were in like Marvel Television limbo, so in, they weren't Netflix, really they yeah. weren't really MCU. I fully but I support, want those guys. Fully support Charlie Cox coming back as Daredevil. Yeah, I do too, and I um. I thought Jessica Jones was a boring show, but I thought that she was good. Yes. Did you watch season two? Mm-hmm. Was there a third season? I have no idea. I think there was, and it was good. Yeah. I thought it was a good show. I don't think I finished it all the way, but... It got better when they gave more money to the production value. Yeah. So, I don't know what happens with those characters, but I want those characters in the MCU where they belong. Mm-hmm. Because Daredevil, particularly, and Jessica Jones and, and Luke Cage really are important figures. Yes. And they deserve to be involved in the larger scheme. I totally agree. Also, let's get the X-Men involved sooner rather than later and not New Mutants. I mean, New Mutants will be fine and well, whatever, but I want the X-Men. Presumably, maybe not Wolverine yet. I could sleep on Wolverine for a little bit, but something. What if, like, at the end of whatever, however they introduce the X-Men... There's no Wolverine, no Wolverine, no, no Wolverine. They're in the school, the Charles Xavier school. There's a knock at the door. Okay? All of a sudden, Wolverine's claws come through the door, but you never see him. Fade to black. It's Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> As Wolverine? Yeah. Did you see all those rumors? No. That was like a fan campaign. And I was like... I, I disagree. I was like, hard pass. It doesn't fit him. I like Daniel Radcliffe a lot. He's not... Wolverine. That'd be a, a huge miscast. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to wildly speculating what these two shows will be until they they come, but that's such a that's such an obvious troll by Bob Iger. He yeah. knows what power he has. He's like, I'm just gonna th- They know five. Throw these little nuggets. 
He's like, let's let the bloggers chew on this for a little while and see how they feel. So I, I know I know your games, Bob Iger, yes. and I will fall for it every time. <laughs> All right. Um, let's stay in Disney World. Disney World, not Disney let's World. Let's stay. Let's stay in Disneyland for a little bit longer. Loki casting news. I'll give you a hint. Wow. <laughs> That's Luke pretty, Luke Wilson? Yeah, Luke Wilson, that's right. No, Owen Wilson Kirk cast in the Loki show. All right. Has a significant role, that's air quotes, significant. Mm. No idea. But I'm for it. I watched the Darjeeling Limited the other night. Yes. He's just great in that movie. And he's hilarious. He really he really shines in that movie and some of his earlier roles, you know, in Zoolander um and meet the parents i just he just made some weird role choices yeah and became a meme basically like marley and me which some people like that movie i can't stand it but yeah that phase of his life just he just kind of fell off the face of the earth and that's what i think uh marvel does they find great actors who have got in a rut and they're like we got you we're gonna save you we're gonna bring back your career and you're gonna make marvel happen yes so owen wilson's the perfect cast yeah, I'm for it. I'm for it completely. I don't even know what role or whatever, but I'm totally here for it. Mm-hmm. Um, another, this is a really interesting nugget. This is from last night, so this one's pretty hot off the presses. As we know, Doctor Strange 2, or as it's referred to, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, lost director Scott Derrickson last month. Um, creative differences, him and Disney mutually agreed to part ways. He's staying on as executive producer. Everything's amicable. Yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. The whole spiel. Sam Raimi is in talks to direct this film. Sam Raimi of the Star, sorry, of the Spider-Man trilogy, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man trilogy, and of course of Evil Dead fame. He's resided in the horror genre quite a bit. Your thoughts on this development? I think that is so cool. I it's such a surprise because he has not done a superhero movie since Spider-Man three. Correct. That's correct. Um, So he's just been in hiding doing these other films, but to bring him back would be so powerful because he's had time to reflect and his style is unlike anyone else's. Yeah, it's good. It's very comic booky. He's got a very good eye for it. Um, It would be an interesting flavor in the MCU, but this is the perfect film for it. This, this film was made for Sam Raimi. Mm hmm. Like when I saw that come across the ticker, I was like, "Duh! Why didn't I? Why didn't I think about this? This is the perfect, literally the perfect project, because it's got it's got a little tinge of horror for Marvel. You know, it's gonna be a little spooky, not yeah. really, not really a scary like jump scare thrill type movie. I don't think, but it's gonna be a little bit suspenseful, a little bit eerie. He's the perfect guy. Yeah, he can, he'll he'll be able to walk that tightrope perfectly fine. I think his horror horror elements will be so fantastically integrated. You're absolutely right. Did you see that movie he did called Drag Me to Hell? Yes, horrifying. Yikes. PG thirteen, and it, I think maybe not. Absolutely terrifying. I can't remember. I couldn't. But yeah, no, it was just terrifying. I couldn't sleep. There's like a grand, like a scary grandma in there that like pops up in a in a. Yeah, Scary Grandmas, that's a hard pass for me. The Shining, that (laughs) movie. um, M. Night Shyamalama had one. That's right. Um, And It, Chapter 2, had one. Yes. I don't like any of that. I don't like that. So, yeah, hopefully none of that in this movie. Oh, he's going to do it. (laughs) He's going to bring a Scary Grandma. (laughs) This movie, though, it feels very important. Because, you know, you start hearing things like, 
many, many Marvel characters are going to be involved in this, different versions of Marvel characters, which is obviously, you know, what you would presume mm-hmm. from the title, Multiverse of Madness. But this is this is the next logical step for them to head into that multiverse realm and really just make this thing enormous, unimaginably large. And so I feel like this movie has to be nailed. I think Marvel knows that. That's probably why they've taken so much care with the creative direction of the film. I guarantee Kevin Feige is all over this thing. Um, it'll be interesting, but Sam Raimi's the right guy for the project. I hope, I mean, I know nothing confirmed yet. Variety was the first one to report it. Um, really hoping this, this pans out. Me too. Okay. Final Disney news. Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton has been picked up by Disney. So good. Such From good news. From the Weinstein Co. They had to buy the rights to that $75 million rights deal. Now, here's the twist. Here, there's a couple of twists here, but the, the big one is that it will be filmed live at the Richard Rogers Theater. They're filming it at Richard Rogers Theater. Oh, I thought it was the filmed version. It is the filmed version of the, of the, yeah. Yes. The one uh, they, they but already it's the filmed. the stage show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. But it's not a movie. Like, it's it's a movie. It's going to get a theatrical release, but it's the show. Right. The show, they filmed it during one of the last few months yeah. where everyone was still par- part of the right, original the cast. the full original cast is there. That's right. That's right. Um, that's an interesting one for me. Mm-hmm. How are you, what are your thoughts here? I'm so excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> I, when I, when I accidentally stumbled across Hamilton... I could not stop playing it. But as soon as it ended, I started it over. So getting to see the cast and what they do with with the original script and the original actors and their creative process just gets me so hyped. And seeing them in the stage version, I would actually prefer because it, when you get it to film, things have to change no matter what. So I'm excited to see the stage version. This is one of the only things that I'd rather see the, sta- the filmed stage version of. Yeah, I mean, I... I go back and forth on this one too, because I do, I'm desperately have wanted to see this stage show with the original cast. Um, coincidentally wearing a Hamilton shirt right now as, oh. as, as we speak underneath this hoodie. Um, side note, <laughs> not, not that that's relevant to anything, but I wanted, I wanted the feature film. I don't know why. Yeah. I think just because in the Heights looks so good. I think once I saw that, I was like, I kind of want it. And like Les Mis was really epic. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could have a filmed version in a, in a couple of years, like five years, they start production on a, on an actual film. I want both. That's I, what I'm saying. I'll take both. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not saying that this is bad. That's, I guess that's right. I, I'm not saying this is bad, but I want them both. Yeah. I definitely need this one no matter what. And yeah, I've I been will... kind of, we've all been kind of waiting for this. Mm-hmm. You know, we always knew that it would, it would come. And, but when they were talking rights deals and stuff, and like when somebody when somebody bought the rights to Hamilton, I thought it was to make a feature film, mm-hmm. not to not for this program. Yeah. So that's that's that was an interesting twist to me. Seventy five million dollars. Yeah. And so like, why do we have to wait till October of next year for this guy? I don't know. They must be. It's already done, <laughs> right? I mean, editing, sure. The editing must. They're gonna. They're going to be meticulous about the editing. I'm guessing it must just be a release window thing. Maybe. Like, hey, we don't have anything here. Yeah. I don't know. Let's make them wait. 
It'll be an interesting thing. This is an interesting project. It's going to increase the already massive subscription to Disney Plus because you know that they will put it there eventually. Potentially. I I mean... I think it goes to theaters first, though. Well, I know, but it's got F-bombs. It's got... That's not exactly Disney Plus material. (laughs) That's true. At least not so far. I mean, maybe they'll change their tune on that. Mm -hmm. I think it's... Maybe it goes to Hulu. No! I don't know. It probably... I don't know. I don't know. It's all speculation. But they're trying to keep Disney Plus relatively clean. Yeah. It's... It'll be interesting. I'll be very, very intrigued to see how this does at the box office. Oh, it'll explode. I mean, I would think so. It will. But I don't know. It's just... It's it's not the kind of thing that you go to the movie theater to see, typically. They must... That's what maybe they're working on. Maybe they're working on how do we, how do we make this an experience like the theater... Like the like live theater, Broadway theater, but in the film yeah. world, in the film theater. Maybe that's what they're trying to bridge between now and 2021. Yeah, I mean, I think I think your hunch is right that it will perform very well for the sole purpose that this is a very hard show to see. You know, there are millions of people that listen to the music and are obsessed with it that haven't seen the show. Right. So, and with the original cast, I mean, that not only gets you the people that haven't seen the show... It gets you the people that have and still want to see it with the original cast. It gets you all of those people. So, yeah, I mean, on paper, it seems like a smash hit. It's just a very interesting experience to bring to wide release theater. So I wonder. Yeah. As I wonder if there's ever been anything else. I don't think there has like a stage version to a wide release national. Yeah. Not on this scale. I mean, they do the they do those like fathom events and stuff like that <laughs> where they do like Shakespeare plays and stuff like that yeah and those are fine yeah yeah i mean i would go see them for sure but not like this nothing has been like this uh which is hamilton's whole story yeah so. just it, it feels very unprecedented so it'll be interesting to see the marketing materials it'll be interesting to see exactly how this goes down but mm-hmm. the thing about disney they're so aggressive right now i mean they're they're just playing they're playing like really confidently they're just swinging for the fences on everything. They they saw Hamilton. They're like, "This is a worldwide phenomenon. This is what we do. That's going to be ours." What's that and we'll song? We'll pay whatever it takes. <clears throat> Cardi B. I I see it. I like it. I want it. I bought it. I think that's Ariana Grande. Okay, her. Yeah, <laughs> but yes. So they are they are Ariana Grande. They are seems. Ariana Grande. They are the embodiment of her. They're just going to take over everything, but it's working. So good job for them. Yes. Okay. The final bit of news got a little bit of trailer reaction. The trailer is for Spiral from the Book of Saw. Interesting title. It, it really interesting subtitles like from the Book of Saw. That's weird. But this is the long anticipated Chris Rock adaptation of a Saw movie. This is a prequel to all of the Saw movies. And it looks very, very different. So basic plot of the story is that presumably jigsaw is targeting police officers and that's what chris rock is he's a police officer so what were your thoughts on this trailer first of all it still baffles me how chris rock is a a huge saw fan i know it's hilarious (laughs) but that's kind of how this franchise is you know they kind of have like there's a people yeah and they're not the people that you would expect. Right. 
Chris and, Rock is the least of them all that I would have yeah, expected. Yeah, he's just—he's a funny guy, you know. You don't—you just—I mean, I know that puts him in a box, but that's how we see him, and so it's kind of a weird thing to picture him being into. Yeah. So I only saw the first three Saw movies. I've seen scattered. I've seen like Saw Six, Saw <laughs> Two. I don't know, just like weird ones. Which I, you know, Saw One blew my mind. I should have saw it coming, and I didn't. And shame on me. Yeah. But I was merely a high schooler. Mm-hmm. Saw two, I was like, okay, all right, no. but Saw three, home run. Yeah, home yeah, run. no, Saw two was a bad one, I think. Yeah. Saw three was the one that like everybody saw. Yeah, <laughs> everyone. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've seen that one. <laughs> but then there's like seven more after that. I, yeah, I haven't there's seen. Tons. There's tons of them. Any of those? Yeah. So, I'm not gonna race to see this film, but I am intrigued. I will go see it to support Chris Rock and Sam Jackson just because I think this is a wild project. Mm-hmm. But I'm not convinced this is going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not by any means. I'm not. I'm certainly not convinced that we needed more Saw in our lives. But it looks interesting. Mm-hmm. It's different, at least. I mean, just even aesthetically from the trailer, it just has a totally different aesthetic. Yeah, from the, from the other Saw films. Yeah. Because they always had this, like rigid you know like the 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 opener for buffy the vampire slayer with yes. sarah michelle geller yes that's basically like the theme of all the saw movies like yeah yeah here's these random graphics as we transition right <laughs> like overlaid <laughs> yeah yeah no you're right you're right and so, uh that's what this did not have any of that no no it this this looks like a very different breed i'm i will say i'm intrigued yeah i'm not convinced this is going to be good but i am intrigued as as long as it's better than Grown Ups 1 or 2, yep. that Chris Rock can redeem himself. There's a good chance because Grown Ups 1 and 2 are in the bottom 1% of films <laughs> in terms of quality of all time. It's Just true. like not funny, not well made, horribly written, no plot, nonsense. <laughs> yes. It's it's insane. Oh. It's insane how bad those movies are. Yeah. So. <clears throat> anyway that's beside the point (laughs) um all right that wraps up what's popping but i do i hate that we had to do in memoriam again this week because we did it we did it last week but this week you know we're saying goodbye to kirk douglas who is obviously everyone knows that name household name he was 103 years old 103 very long life very successful career wonderful family you know michael douglas of course his son is also a very successful actor um our th- our thoughts are with the with the Douglas family at this time. I saw Michael Douglas, understandably, said that he would not be attending the Oscars this weekend. Um, so we obviously wish them the best. But you know, this is a different scenario. Not not certainly not like an untimely passing. This really gives us the opportunity to celebrate the career of Kirk Douglas, which was extraordinary <laughs> to yeah. say the least. You know, he's in some really really fantastic films and. This is a good excuse for anybody who's like, I've never seen Ulysses. I've never seen 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. You know, these huge, ginormous Spartacus movies. Um, go back and watch them. It's really, it's really uh, you know, we've said it before on the podcast. It's the best way to go, you know, through this process. And I think that with it being Oscar weekend and um, everything going on, that seems like the best way to preserve the memory of Kirk Douglas, who was a fantastic actor. He was a baller when he was, I think, I think he was at the Oscars like on his 101st birthday Yeah, or it had just passed. He he was up there presenting with his 
daughter-in-law, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and he's like cracking jokes up there. And the whole audience was like, like actually funny jokes, not old man jokes, like actually brought people to like cry tear, like laughter tears. So incredible guy. Yeah. I mean, 103, that's pretty awesome. That's, that's pretty awesome. So, um, obviously never want to say goodbye to anybody. Certainly not a Titan of industry like Kirk Douglas, but he had an incredible career and we, I, I mean, I for one look forward and going back through his catalog and checking out some of those films. Mm-hmm. Well, Kirk. Yes. I've got a game. Would you like to play a game? What? That's right. I am turning the tables on you. Hold on. I am the game master. <laughs> I'm in control. I am the captain now. <laughs> look at me. Look at me. That's right. Look at me, Irish. I am the captain. That's right, Kirk. Wow. Springing a game on you. This is unprecedented. I know. I in know. the world of popcorn trying to for keep, breakfast. Trying to keep you on your toes. <sighs> and let me just say this before we get started. Okay. This may be, it's quite possible, the single dumbest game that we've ever played on this podcast. <laughs> and that is saying something. Yeah. Because the Lighthouse game... That game, Defoe, DeBro, The Lighthouse, that was exceptionally dumb. I think it was a fan favorite, though. No, it was a great game, <laughs> but uh, to this point, unmatched in its stupidity. <laughs> Until now. Until now, I would like to present my game. My first try as Game Master. Do you have a title? I do. It's it's not the greatest title, but I think it's you know it's to the point. I think it's great, and I haven't even heard it yet. Tell me your title. On the theme of the Oscars, because you know this is the Oscar preview show. Mm-hmm. We are going to play a game called Oscar or Award. <laughs> I love it. Yes, <laughs> you may be asking yourselves what what exactly is going on here. Well, let me tell you. I'm going to give you a name, a single name. You have to tell me if that is the last name of a famous person with the first name Oscar. Oh my gosh. Or if it is the name of an award, a film award. So like, for example, if you say Gertrude, if I thought Gertrude, it was Oscar Gertrude, I would say Oscar. You would say Oscar. But if I thought the Gertrude award, yes. I would say award. You would say award. <sighs> okay. Now, now I feel the stress that I put you through That's most, right. most weeks. And this is why I did this, because I want you to understand how hard it is when you spring these games <laughs> Um, usually I know with a little more notice, I don't just like, yeah, no, this time I'm just coming, coming out guns blazing. <laughs> okay. Let's see what happens. And let me just say that if you do bad on this game, I won't blame you. I think it's a really strange game. And if you happen to get all of them right, I'd be horrified and shocked, but we'll see. What if I had this, this incredibly vast knowledge of people with the first name of Oscar? That'd be and... kind of impressive. All right. Let's... Strange, but impressive. I hope so. All right. First one. The name that I'm going to give you is Pistorius. Pistorius. Can I have that in a sentence, please? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. But the root of the name is probably Latin. Pistorius. And you have to spell it for it. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, okay, so it's either Oscar Pistorius, or it is an award, a prestigious award given to you Actors. It is an acting or a film. It is a film award. award. It is an award given in the arena of film. I'm going to go with on this very first one. Oscar. Correct. Yes. Correct. <laughs> Who is he? Well, I'm glad you asked. Her. <laughs> 
He is a former South African sprinter and a murderer, convicted murderer. Oh my god! You don't know about you don't know about Oscar Pistorius. I shouldn't be laughing. Oscar Pistorius was the Blade Runner. Oh, that's right. Yes, that's right. That's right. He he is a double double amputee, or I don't know exactly what his story was, but he did not have. And he murdered his girlfriend. He did. Fiance? He did oh. in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh! That that wasn't too long ago. No, it wasn't. Wow. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Sorry to go dark with you there on the first one. <laughs> I Bru- like how I turned it on and I was like, South American sprinter and murderer. Convicted murderer. Killed someone. Suddenly this is a true crime podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, well done. Well done. Okay. All right. Number two. Loritzen. 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 L-A-U-R-I-T-Z-E-N. Loritzen. Loritzen. So it's either Oscar Loritzen or it's an award. The Loritzen Award for Daniel Day-Lewis. I'm going to go with award. Correct. Yes. The Loritzen Award is a Danish award given to the best actor or actress in Danish film. Oh, in Danish film. Okay, I was going to say. I believe, like... I believe so. I believe so. That's what my sources are telling me. Nice. My sources I... are Wikipedia. So, <laughs> so it's 100%. 100% correct. I was going to ask, like, oh, well, do I know anyone who's won this? But probably not. All right. Next one. Saturn. Saturn, like the planet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This, this one I'm confident, but I don't know if it's a curveball. You never know. You never know, Kirk. Oh no! Or, or is it both? No, both is never an option. Okay, Sorry. gotcha. I will tell you that I'm not going to be that mean. Okay, both, both does not happen. That would be game. a nice curveball. It would be, but I don't think that scenario exists. <laughs> I'm going to go with an award, the Saturn Awards. The Saturn Awards are very real. Your hunch was correct. I was hoping that with it being a straight, straight fastball, that you would be freaked out by it. You placed it there in case I crashed and burned on the first two. That's right. Saturn Awards are. Um, given out by the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror. Yes. So, that's correct. Bravo. You're three for three so oh far. Oh my gosh. Out of eight. Out of eight. Okay. I'm really good. Like, w- we went golfing a few years back, and I, like, got on the green the first three holes, and yeah. then it, I just fell apart after that. So, we'll see what happens here. <laughs> All right. Next one. Levant. Levant. L E V A N T. Levant. Levant. I was thinking Matthew LeBlanc when I heard that. Matthew LeBlanc. Oscar LeBlanc. So I'm going to go with Oscar on this one. Correct. Woo! Correct. Oscar LeVant was the film was a film score composer. Okay. Until 1972. Thank you Matt LeBlanc for right. uh, sounding like that guy. That's right. That's right. All right, let me just take a quick tally here. You're 4 for 4. Oh my gosh. In this game. You're four for four. I'm gonna go buy a lottery. Made it harder. I could have. I could have gone harder, Kirk. I could have made it impossible. Well, there's it's still okay, four more. There's still four more. <laughs> All right, Felsch. Oh my, what? Felsch. <laughs> Felsch. <laughs> Petters come back. <laughs> I want everyone to try and say this in the mirror right now because seeing you say Felsch. It's, it's like flesh, only the E and the L are switched. That's why I think it's so strange. Yeah. It's so funny to see your mouth do that. So, Felsch. Pause this, look at yourself, say Felsch, and then resume. Yes. Um, the Felsch. The Felsch. Fel- the Felsch Award. 
the Oscar Felsch. Mm, this no clue. I'm gonna go Oscar. Correct. What? Correct. <laughs> Kirk, this is unprecedented. <laughs> Who's this guy? You're batting a perfect game right now. Who's this with this crazy Speaking name? Speaking of batting. Oscar Felsch <laughs> is a former center fielder for the Chicago White Sox. He played in the 40s. Oh, it's wow. impossible for you to have known that, but you, you did. So well, we you are. see, I was a young lad in the 40s. I'm actually All right. that much older from now. All right, three left. Okay. Three left. The first of three. <clears throat> De La Hoya. De La Hoya. De La Hoya. De La Hoya. Sounds like a. Like a. Chips Ahoy. Chips Ahoya. <laughs> Stupid. That is the boxer. Ahoya. What's Ahoya? Ahoya is a. Ahoya is a it's, thing. Uh, is it Spanish for. No, it's like a. It's like a dog. Okay. Ahoya. Right? Georgetown is the Hoyas. That's their mascot. Oh, okay. I was, I was thinking Aroje. Which is like red or rice or something. Uh, that's Oscar. That is Oscar. You know about Oscar De La Hoya? I do know about him. Wow. I forget why. He was a boxer, right? He, he is, yeah, boxer. Yep. Did he fight Tyson? No idea. Ear? Did he bite his ear? Is that no, the no, ear no, that no, got ripped no, off? No, no, no. That oh, okay. was uh, Evander Holyfield. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Hell, good sports. That's why I picked that one because I was like, well, sports is not exactly your fave thing. It's not. Certainly I'm... not. I mean, not that boxing is my favorite thing, but all right. Two left. Two left. Ariel. 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 Like um like Little Mermaid Ariel. <clears throat> this is tough because I wanna be where the people are. <laughs> I wanna see wanna see them dancing. That's beautiful Thank vibrato. You. Thank you. Um this one's tough because like would would it be Oscar Ariel? Should it just be an award? Oh, I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna With go. What? Choose award. Correct. Yes. Correct. Oh my gosh! This is wild. This is the Mexican award for what? excellence in motion picture making. Oh wow! That's right. Is that seven for eight? Seven out of seven so far. I could play a perfect game right now. With one remaining. With one remaining. Oh my gosh, I have to get it right. I need to make sure I get the pronunciation correct here. Okay, do you need to like play it on YouTube real quick? No, I haven't. Okay. (laughs) I'm a professional, Kirk. I didn't come unprepared. I'm just building up suspense. Your final question in Oscar or award. (laughs) Palm d'Or. Oh no. Palm d'Or. Palm Dior. P-A-L-M-E-D apostrophe O-R. Makes me think of Palm Olive. Palm Dior. Palm Dior. Oscar Palm Dior. The Palm Dior award goes to... Is it... Oscar? Ah! Oh! Oh, no! Oh! You thought you were sly, Kirk. You thought you had me. You thought you had your little oh. game one here. No, that's incorrect. Sorry, what? I rubbed that in pretty hard. <laughs> you should. You should. <laughs> it's the award for best picture at the Cannes Film Festival. Oh, I am. For 
like best of the best best picture oh man the Cannes Film Festival. i am shamefaced for not knowing that one i think joker won it this year i am shamefaced. Could be wrong. wow i could be wrong that was an exceptionally wonderful wow. game seven of eight that's a that's a remarkable performance <laughs> kudos to you oh thank you and if i ever need to figure out the name of someone if someone's name is oscar <laughs> with just their last name i'll call you i'll be ready okay well great job i don't know you don't win anything Oh, well. Actually, okay. if you want to get an Oscar tattoo, you can. Hmm. I hear that's really fun. <clears throat> maybe maybe I'll get one with you if you lose. Dude, that just reminded me. I haven't thought about that in like three weeks. We're two days. <laughs> two days away. <laughs> two days. Oh. For those of you who have not heard the previous episodes, uh, Cam vowed to get a tattoo of something. Most likely an Oscar. A little Oscar statue is what I said. If... Joaquin. Can I change that? No, no. Oh. Locked in. Okay. In the event Dang that, <laughs> in the event that Joaquin Phoenix does not win Best Actor at the Academy Awards, and I will just say for the record, I'm still very confident. You should be. He's scooping up all the awards. Every single one of them. All of them, because he deserves it. Mm-hmm. Because he's he did the best job. Yes. And when you're the best, you deserve the best awards. Now the Oscars, though, they're wild cards. Mm-hmm. You got to watch those guys. You got to watch them. Mm-hmm. Though I saw that article you posted today about the panel. Most of them voted for Joaquin. Most of them. I think it was... One person voted for Antonio Banderas, and I was like, you son of a... <laughs> but it'll be okay. I think it'll be okay. I think, you, I think you're good. I'm nervous, though. I'm going to be... It's going to be bad. I'm probably going to pass out before it happens. Yeah. I'll wake up like three years later, and I'll have the tattoo, <laughs> and you'll be like, he didn't win. You did win. But we got you tattooed while you were so con- <laughs> unconscious. Which I would be okay with, I think. And I'd be arrested. I think that's illegal. <laughs> yes, probably. You'd be like, no, this was his dying wish. Um, okay, speaking of Oscars, we have one Best Picture nominee left. You and I watched it last night. The film is called Jojo Rabbit, and we are reviewing it right now. It's time. Tweet synopsis. Do you know whose turn it is? No clue. We're the worst. I heard an idea, because um, there there are other podcasts that I listen to where they trade off. Like if they have if they give something, so like they assign like okay, your odds, I'm evens, and then you're like, what episode is it? Okay, well, then yeah, you- I mean it should be like that. That's smart. That's what smart people would do. <laughs> but we're not we're not that Kirk. So I don't know if we should assign that like after episode thirty. So what was the last episode? No clue. What do we review? Not an idea. No. 1917. 1917. Yes. And I went first. Okay. Because I said Richard Madden and then you said Richard Madden. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, That is correct. So, yeah. So, you go first. Tweet synopsis, Jojo Rabbit. Here we go. Go. I'm going to butcher this name. Anyways. Johannes Jojo Betzler is a 10-year-old wannabe Nazi during the height of World War II. During his training, he discovers a Jewish girl hiding in the walls of his home. As the war progresses, Jojo is challenged with keeping her secret or revealing he has been aiding the Nazi enemy. The Nazi enemy? The Nazi Nazis. Oh, like Sorry. the Jew is the Nazi... Grammar the, issue. No, 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 you're right. The Nazis enemy. No, no, you're right. Find out more on <laughs> Jojo Rabbit. You didn't. You didn't. I did. No, you didn't. I did. Why? What is wrong with you? There's something... You have a problem. 
You get your jollies <laughs> off of this? This is sick. <laughs> I'm wheezing. You, you don't owe Jojo Rabbit anything. What are you trying to sell this movie for? I'm so confused. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my gosh. There's something seriously wrong with you. Okay. Probably. Tweet synopsis. Jojo is an aspiring Nazi in World War II Germany. When a training accident dashes his hopes of becoming a soldier, he returns home where he uncovers a Jewish girl hiding in his home. Alone and scared, Jojo turns to his imaginary friend Adolf for advice. Beautiful. So Jojo Rabbit's imaginary friend is Adolf Hitler. Mm -hmm. And he's played by Taika Waititi, the director and writer of the film. So that's an interesting twist here. This movie is very light, you know, like very fun loving. It sounds strange when he's talking about Nazis and things like that, but it's really very light in tone. And the Adolf character is the primary source of comedy Mm -hmm. throughout the film. So that should be known. It's very bouncy. Yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Effervescent. Okay. If you will. (laughs) You win. (laughs) It means like bubbly, fizzy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I like that. Bouncy bouncy is the right way to feel about it. It's got like a um it's got like a Wes Anderson aesthetic to it in a lot of ways. Absolutely. So that just gives you a little taste. Well like whenever you see the movie, at least this was me. I was very confused. like I, I read the, I read a synopsis online that was very similar to what we just did, but I still felt like I didn't understand the movie. So it's like you're talking about Nazis and Adolf Hitler and all his stuff, but then it's like a little kid and everything's like really cutesy and it's it's a very interesting thing. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll do our best to explain it as we move forward. All right, Kirk, I would like to know who your award, the Oscar, goes to. This was a no-brainer for me. The Oscar went to Thomason McKenzie, mm. which is Elsa. Elsa, yeah. The girl. The girl. The girl on the wall. The Nazi girl. I'm sorry. that is incorrect the jewish girl hiding in the walls of jojo's home she appears um you know she's coming because she's in the trailer so no spoilers there um she is a new zealand actress and i wanted to look up who are all of our treasures from new zealand so here's a fast list sam neill russell crowe carl urban jermaine clement lucy lawless taika waititi anna paquin rose mciver Keisha, Castle, Hughes, and Peter Jackson. Those are the New Zealanders. Wow. That's a big list. That is. Small country. Yes. Big stars. Yeah. And, dude, I'm telling you, she was incredible. She was. Really incredible. Um, Her believability in this film was out of this world. Her accent was on point. I'm always impressed when people can hold up their accents, even in a bouncy film like this, where some of the characters, their accent faded away. And it didn't even really matter because of who they were embodying in their character. But she was on point. And more than that, her physicality was on point. Mm-hmm. This is what stuck out to me the most, um, which helped her characterize uh, Elsa so well. Because you have to be really well trained in body movement to to portray a character correctly. Um, her character spends all this time hiding. So she's often hunched over or sitting or uh, just kind of lurking. I don't, I don't know if there's a better way to say that. Yeah. But when, whenever she does her scenes, she's not trying to be poised uh, in any way, shape, or form until it counts. And I just, I just want to applaud her for that because that was so wonderfully chosen. And I'm just going to assume no one told her to do that. Uh, so wonderfully chosen that it was just remarkable to watch. So let me ask you a question about this yes. thematically. 
do you think she was meant to mirror the characteristics of a rabbit? Well, that's brilliant, Cameron. So here's here here's why I thought that because um, she's in a burrowed in the tunnel. When they start calling Jojo Rabbit, so the name Jojo Rabbit is a taunt. They're taunting Jojo because they're saying he's a rabbit. He lacks a spine. He's not he's not courageous. He just sneaks around and hides and does all those things. Mm-hmm. And uh, his imaginary friend Adolf says, "Oh, rabbits are great because they have to have so much courage because they they are weak and so they have to be s- clever and sneaky and quiet and brave." Mm-hmm. And then there's the picture in that book of a rabbit in a cage. And yes. like, she's kind of always got her like knees tucked up and stuff, kind of like a rabbit. I, I was kind of wondering that whole time if that was what they were going for. I don't know for I, sure. I but. think you are spot on. So if, if that's the case, I think that's a, a great job by her mm-hmm. and good direction by Taika Waititi for sure. Absolutely. I think that she's got an incredibly long career. I think she's turning 20 this year. Um, and you know, I always mistake, um, Nicole Kidman from being from New Zealand. Yeah. Even though she's Australian. Sure, that's right, yeah. So shame on me. But she reminded me of a young Nicole Kidman. Ooh, I like that. Um, in fact, like, if we could go back in time and make the others, but put Thomason in that age frame, she could have been Nicole Kidman's daughter in the others. Yeah, I'll buy that. So. I'll buy that. That's good. That's what I, I just, she was great. She is good. She's got a bright future. There's, there's no doubt about that. I think she's 18 or 19 years old, mm-hmm. something like that. Born so. in 2000. Oh, I know. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. Is, is, isn't it so painful when you're like, yeah. oh wow, this person has critically and worldwide renowned success. Yeah. And I make a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. got too real. Too real, Kirk. Okay. For my Oscar, I'm giving it to young Roman Griffin Davis. Love it. Who is our lead. He plays Jojo. He is 12 years old. He's probably 10 to 11 years old at the time of production. His character's age is 10. Um, he's incredible. He shows he shows great vulnerability, um, which you would expect out of a 10-year-old, but also just really good emotional depth, too. You know, he has to go, he goes through a lot of emotion and he goes through a lot of introspection. He's having these conversations with his imaginary friend, essentially his conscience in a way, this Adolf Hitler character. And, um, you know, he, he's having some big issues because he is an aspiring Nazi and there's a Jewish girl living in his house. Isn't that so funny? Aspiring Nazi. I know, right. (laughs) That's all he wants. It's his whole dream. And, and. And he doesn't want to get anybody in trouble, but he also wants to do what he thinks is right. And he wants to do what's right for his country and all these different things. Um, And he has to go through, because of the circumstances of the film, he has to go through a wide range of emotions. I thought he did an excellent job. I think out of a young actor, um, quickly looked up to see if he was from a filmmaking background. He is. Uh, His parents are a cinematographer and a screenwriter, I think. Something like that. He's been around film his whole life and, and will be. Um, uh-huh. He's very expressive. I think I was mostly impressed with just the way he could convey emotions and um, confidence was really high. I thought that his physical acting, sometimes that's where you'll see with young actors that their physical acting is a little bit awkward. Yeah, I think just, just because it just feels weird to them. They just kind of mosey. Yeah. yeah, but he really looked like a like a real life 10 year old who was very aware of who he was. So kudos to Roman Griffin Davis. I'm actually a little, I mean, not surprised this year. 
I think another year he could have snagged up a an acting nomination. Sure. I do think I do think that's possible just because he's so young and you know, he's acting with all adults too with the exception of his one friend uh Yorkie. Love Yorkie. <laughs> so, it's a uh, it's a really good job by him. All right, let's jump into scene stealer. Who's your scene stealer, Kirk? This was no contest. This went straight to Scarjo. Scarjo, she was great. Incredible. She Incredible. Was great. I am I wish I had seen this movie earlier when Laura Dern started picking up all of the awards on the on the award circuit because she deserves to win best supporting actress. Mm. Hands yeah. down. Hands yeah. down. Um, I was actually infuriated. Uh, I was delighted by the end of this film, but infuriated that she hasn't won some of the other things that she's also been up for for the other uh, crazy contests and, and awards and such. Um, this role was was really complex to pull off. It's so important that you can't mess this role up. She's the mother of JoJo, um, which is hard to because I said Scar Joe, but she's the mother of JoJo. <laughs> uh, there's all these unique quirks that she injects into this character to make the the Nazi boy mother stand out and so perfectly and and playful. I think a lot of the bounciness honestly happens from her. Yeah, she gives a good energy. Yeah, and I've never seen Scarlett Johansson like this before. And I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that she's one of those actors who was thrusted into the mainstream in the in the in some of the biggest blockbusters of our time. But I think that she could find a lot more success in in uh, in her character development in in smaller budgeted films. I don't know how big this one was, but things that are just a little bit. I don't think it was very large. A little bit askew from from these you know from the Marvel the, the cinematic universe. So. I was absolutely stunning to watch her. I was super excited for it. I thought she did better in this than she did Marriage Story. Don't hit me. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, easy easy answer. Good. Good choice. Um, I chose to go a different direction. I went with Taika Waititi. And it's for more reasons than one. So first of all, his character is a tall order in a lot of ways. Because he had to make Adolf Hitler fun-loving. Yeah. That's weird, and <laughs> he nailed it. I don't know. It's it's a really interesting thing. He's hilarious. Um, he his facial expressiveness and just his overall comedic timing is just spot on. That's really where Taika is kind of money. You know, his his timing is impeccable when it comes to comedy. He just really has a good knack for it, and it's unique too. It's he's his type of humor is different from anything else you see. Um, and not just because he's from New Zealand, but because he's Taika Waititi and he's extraordinarily creative and does an incredible job. But also, this movie just really had his essence all over it. And so I'm I'm taking an unconventional route to give him scene stealer just so I can kind of give him additional kudos for how much this movie really reflected who he is as a you know as a creator. I thought this was really it felt like a passion project and it felt like something that. Um, worked because it was seemingly effortless for him to just pull this together. So great job, Taika Waititi. I thought, um, I think there's a really strong possibility that he is the reason that Roman Griffin Davis did as well as he did in this film. And that, um, you know, even ScarJo's character, how she interacts with him. I think that that is all great direction and, and great on set presence too, as an actor. Yes. So, um, kudos to Taika. Big fan, big, big fan. 
All right. That brings us to Showstopper. What's your Showstopper, Kirk? With my Showstopper, um, I, I picked a specific scene that I can't really talk about because it's a spoiler. But yeah. the the color palette in this movie is absolutely astounding mm-hmm. to me. It's a movie set in the throes of World War II, and everything is vibrant. We've got bright reds and bright greens and bright yellows and flowers and just so many colors happening in this film. It's It, it just added to the fun of the movie, but also... Um, historically, I think was ac- actually correct. Like, and we've seen all the war movies, and everything's gray and dreary. Well, sure. this is before the destruction set in, and these were just towns people were living in. So, Taika Waititi took that into with, with the full, uh, full immersive authenticity. Uh, so, with that, there's a transition and a pivotal point of this film where we where we see things go to gray, um, and it comes out of nowhere super super exciting and i won't tell you what happens you can you can just guess and think about it but that transition it it almost the the brightness also almost mimics jojo's innocence and then we transition into this gray world and it's absolutely mind-bending yeah yeah it has an inglorious bastards vibe to it actually in a lot of ways i think stylistically yeah um and and my showstopper, I'm gonna pile on because mine is style. Okay. Just overall um, artistic touch to this film because I think that this film took a lot of notes from other filmmakers who've been really successful um, with this sort of approach stylistically. Already mentioned Inglorious Bastards, Quentin Tarantino, Wes Anderson, Noah Baumbach. You know, people like that. Um, and it does so without feeling derivative. You know, yes. this this maybe does. If you just look at the cover, you say that looks like Moonrise Kingdom, and that would make sense because it's a kid wearing little shorts and like a uniform, and sure. Um, but it, this really felt altogether unique while still having these really great artistic nods to other creators. And that's what's that's when filmmaking's at its best, you know, when it learns from the past but doesn't steal it. Right. Um, and Taika was very intentional with that. I think he was aware of where his influences were coming from. And I think he was aware of his creative approach the whole way through the colors you're talking about. They give the movie a very cartoony vibe. Um, and actually everything about this movie is somewhat cartoony, um, in every way. And, and it just, the whole thing, when it comes together, it flows, Mm -hmm. it's really cohesive. And so though the premise is strange and, the subject matter is cringy at times just because of what you're dealing with. You know, a little kid running around saying Heil Hitler and you're like supposed to cheer for this kid. I don't know. It's it's odd, but it works and it works uh, really, really well. It's very cohesive. So the style of the movie, I think, is sort of the glue. Mm-hmm. It is. Okay. That brings us to the other side of the coin. Director shoes. What would you have changed about this movie? Well, Cameron, I'm glad you asked. I think that sometimes... The jokes fell flat. Okay. And this could be that maybe it was almost too English for my taste, mm-hmm. even though I do love English humor, or too New Zealandish, if that's a phrase that people are saying. Um, I typically enjoy that, but there were too many strikeouts on some of the jokes, in my opinion. Uh, I really wanted them to work, but not all of them got landed. I anticipated to just be you know, out of breath laughing at this film, but I wasn't. 
so I don't know if it was my expectations that got the best of me because I know that Taika YTT is supposed to make me cry from laughter, but uh-huh. I, I wasn't, um, which unfortunately was a big deduction in my final score because of that. Okay. I do think it could have partially been expectations because my expectations were totally flipped from that. I was not expecting it to be all that funny. And I had a different experience. Not not drastically. I wasn't like rolling on the floor. But I did find it to be lighter and funnier than I expected. So I think you're totally justified in your take, obviously. But you brought up the point of expectations. It could That could possibly factor in, for mm-hmm. sure. As it, as it always kind of does. It always kind of does. <laughs> like yeah. if, someone, if someone were to punch you in the face before you went and saw, I don't know, this movie. Yeah. <laughs> you would be very upset about this well, movie. Well, this is, this is why it's so important to not read, you know, f- at least from my perspective, to not read other things about these movies before we watch them. I, I yeah. learned that early on, like, just don't do it because it sets your expectations. And once that's done, you've already seen the movie. It's true. Some of the best gems you might find are when you're scrolling at, you know, 11 o'clock through Netflix or Disney plus yeah. or Amazon prime. And you're like, what's that movie? Yeah. You have to the you, Falcon in the snowman. That's right. That's right. That's, that's where I'm going right after this. <laughs> you do have to fight your preconceived notions a little bit, but it's a good exercise and something that I think, everyone should do they go do. into things with open eyes that's what i'm doing with birds of prey this weekend i'm just telling myself a thousand times i'm like i know dc drops the ball a lot but new start let's see what happens mm-hmm. um okay good, good 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 job on director shoes my director shoes i think the overall message of the movie ends up um rendered ineffective by the by the tone of the movie i think the setting, you know, so the movie isn't, is about not hating people that are different from you. Very simple. I like, I like actually simple message because it can be more effective if it's, you know, not super convoluted and buried under layers and layers of themes and subtext. Um, but, but the people who need that message are not going to be affected by this movie because in my mind, so the people who need to hear the message of don't hate people are, who are different from you are people who hate people that are different from them. Mm-hmm. But those people likely see the Nazis and do the same thing as everybody else. Nazis equal bad. I'm not a Nazi. <laughs> okay, great. We're all on the same page, you know? Um, I don't think most people who are hateful or racist or whatever th- liken themselves to Nazis because they're not mass murdering people. So there's that. Um, but the other side that I think contributes it to it is that the tone is just a little too light. It's just a little too light. And, um, I think that's because of Taika being who he is. He doesn't strike me as a high confrontation guy. He strikes me as an opinionated guy, but someone who wants to, you know, spread love, not hate. And I, that was all over this film, but, um, he was he was still trying to deliver a message and I don't think the message is all that effective for the group that he wants it to impact. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. It does. Um, and, and, and that's okay. I mean, he's, this is his movie and he told a story and it is an anti hate story and it is a good story. Um, but I just think as far as when you're looking for films to be in that really excellent category, you want it to really leave somebody with a lasting impression. And if somebody walked into that movie and was a racist or what, whatever, hated some group or another, 
I don't see them walking out being like, I need to change everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I just don't see that happening. So sure. Um, would have liked a little more punch mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah. And I think it could have gotten there. You know, there are moments near the end of the movie that really feel very whimsical and kind of avant-garde yeah. that you don't get in the first half of the movie. And if they would have, you know, leaned into that a little more, sure, maybe it would have been more fluid. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it is. Yeah. Going off of yours. That was good. That was good. Okay. Um, let's score this thing. Let's do it. Um, the themes are in the film are, are compelling. The acting in this film is strong and a Approximately 60% of the cast, I will say that some of the um, supporting characters, they kind of fall to the wayside. Even I though agree. you do even though you do love them, you're like, okay, they're fun, but they're not great. I, want, I wanted to like them a little more, um, which is a departure from the rest of the Best Picture nominees, because all of the acting in the other films is like locked and loaded. Yeah. Um, I would not think... That if I was if I was just watching this film and I didn't know that it was nominated for Best Picture, I don't know that I would have thought that it should have been nominated. Okay. Hot take. I'm gonna go with six point eight kernels. Oh wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um. So I'm a big fan of this movie. I thought that at the end of the day, what they pulled together was really cohesive and consistent, and I thought high quality pretty much through and through. I think that Tyke is just getting started. Mm-hmm. I expect more from him. Um, I think it was really well written. I think it could have been better acted. Um, but I did think there were some standout performers for sure. And um, I thought that ultimately it was it was pretty funny, but that the that as I said, the the effect is sort of lost by the end. I'm giving it eight point nine um, out of ten kernels. And um, I don't expect it to be taking home the big award on Sunday night, but um, I think it does deserve to be there. But ScarJo should. Scarlett Johansson should take the big award. Yeah, she was great. Okay. She was brilliant, for <laughs> sure. For sure. Um, Lovely. Which brings us to our next segment, which is not Schoolyard Pick this week. No Schoolyard Pick this week. Mm-hmm. We're doing Oscar picks. We're just breaking boundaries. We are. We're, this is the Oscar preview. We gotta we cool. gotta really step our game up here. This is a big episode. Now let's jump into this. I'm gonna do a couple of high... I think the most anticipated categories. And here's what I want. I want who you think should win. Okay, good. And I want who you think will win. I love that. Okay. And if there's one that you're like, could win... That, I'm fine with that. We can we can be a little loosey. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Yeah, that's right. That's um, what this segment is called. <laughs> so let's start with the screenplay awards because that's what they'll um, kick the night off with. Usually, it's usually they do supporting, and then they do screenplays. I think is usually how it goes. Yes. All right. So best original screenplay, meaning this is an original work. Knives Out, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite. What should win, what will win in your mind? I wonder if we should call it what I want to win instead of what should win. Because <laughs> we well, all no, have I mean, subjectivity. Yeah, I know, but it's subjectivity. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. What okay, should good, win good, in good, your good. mind? What should win is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. I think Parasite will take this. I think Parasite should and will win this category. Very nice. I do. I think it's just the most original story. Um but yeah, I mean, Quentin Tarantino, those are the two in my opinion. They are. Because Quentin is just, 
he's great. He's a great writer. So he's always going to be there. He often wins this award. Yeah, and he's he will deserve it if he wins it. That's the thing. It's like I, either him or Bong Joon Ho takes home this award. You can't you know be mad about it. It's no. just that's the way that it's going to be. Um, crazy to think that Noah Bombach isn't my should win or will win. I I and I do think that movie is exceptionally well written i just think the concept for parasite is so original that i just don't see the voters passing that up it's such a tough year yeah it is it's tough all right adapted screenplay the irishman jojo rabbit joker little women the two popes oh that's tough you go first (laughs) okay i think the irishman should win i think the irishman should win i think jojo rabbit will win oh okay I do. Read those to me again. The Irishman, Please. Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, The Two Popes. Mm. I'm going to go Irishman will win. Okay. And should win. Curveball, The Two Popes. Oh. I, I enjoyed that movie. All right. Uh, that's Did you watch it yet? You did, right? Yeah, I did. I did watch it. Yeah, I thought I was going to hate it going into, again, expectations. <laughs> when I when I turned that movie on, I'm like, I'm going to be so bored, but I really enjoyed it. Really did. It did bore me. <laughs> but it was late. It was late at night. Both times that I watched it, it was late. But I think it took me like six tries <laughs> to watch it. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, and yeah, I'm good with this. Um, but, you know, it was good. It's, it's objectively good. Yeah. Um, just not my fave. Okay, moving right along, we're going to go with cinematography next. Cinematography. Bring it. And the winner is Roger Deakin. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Cinematography. Hold on one second. I didn't have these in order in my notes. He's a major cinephile. The Irishman, Joker, The Lighthouse, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That is like the toughest options ever. I'll go first. Do it. The Lighthouse should win. After I read about that production design, or not that not production design, that production and how they went about it, just for true heroism, I'll give it. I'll give it to that. And then 1917 will undoubtedly win in my mind. I would say. I would agree. I would, but I would say, um, what was your shoulda? Lighthouse. Lighthouse. I would say, once upon a time, shoulda nineteen seventeen will win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Roger Deakins will not be denied. No. <laughs> he will not. He will not be denied, and he deserves it. So sure, that's fine. <laughs> um, directing, directing. <sighs> Martin Scorsese for The Irishman. Todd Phillips for Joker. Sam Mendes for nineteen seventeen. Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. Those three, man. Mendez, Tarantino, Bong Joon-ho. So, so, so tough. I think for the best director, I think Bong Joon-ho should win, but I think that Sam Mendez will take the Oscar. I agree. I agree. I agree. Did you know, this shocked me, did you know that Sam Mendez has already won a best director? He directed American That's Beauty. That's right. American Beauty. I did know that. Blew my mind. I did know that because I was looking through mind. it last time and I was like, what? <laughs> okay. Animated feature film. How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, 
I Lost My Body, Claws, Missing Link, Toy Story 4. This one's also diff. They're all difficult. This year's so difficult. I'll stop saying it. They're all- this is difficult. So everyone can just say, shut up, Kirk. You said that eight times already. Uh, I think this is mostly difficult because I haven't seen The Missing Link. And yeah. it's also sweeping up awards. So I'm going to go Toy Story 4 should. Missing Link will. I think Toy Story 4 should. I think Claws will. I haven't Ooh. seen it, but I've I've heard some buzz. My kids have watched it. Yeah? Yeah. Do they like it? They wanted to watch it over and over again. Yeah, that's what I've been kind of hearing from people is that, like, it's good. It's very creative of the glimpses that I saw. Uh, it's very unique, so maybe I should watch it before Sunday. All right, that brings us to um, actor in a supporting role. The nominees. Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Anthony Hopkins, The Two Popes. Al Pacino, The Irishman. Joe Pesci, The Irishman. Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I think Joe Pesci should win. I think Brad Pitt will win. Mm-hmm. I <clears throat> I uh, second your um, Irishman vote, but uh, I give you Al Pacino for should. Should win. And I think Brad Pitt will win. Okay. Which would be very exciting. Yeah, it would be exciting. He, he gave an amazing speech at the SAG Awards. Yeah, he did. It was so fun. He did. He and did. I just want more of that. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> and the fact that he did a good job. He too. did He did a great job. He did. Actress in a supporting role. Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell. Laura Dern for Marriage Story. Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit. Florence mm-hmm. Pugh for Little Women. Margot Robbie, Robbie sorry, for Bombshell. ScarJo on both. Should and will. I think Florence Pugh should win. I think Laura Dern will win. No, Laura Dern. She will. No. I think she will, man. Step back. We shall see. (laughs) What do you got against Laura Dern, man? I don't know. I just think that this sounds dumb, but I feel like anyone could do that role. Not anyone, but any... Anyone in Hollywood could take on that role. I feel like it's very, it was much more unique to be able to do all the things that Scarlett Johansson did in Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, it's debatable. I mean, I think I think that's a fair argument. I think Laura Dern has certainly played that role before. Correct. Yeah, I think that's that's what that was my original take with the whole thing was just like great, but not transformative. Exactly. Which transformative always gets bonus points. That's what that's like giving uh, what's her face. She's the same in every movie, but she's great. Uh, Glenn Hetty. That's like giving her a best a best uh, a win for. Well, something. that's how I felt about um, Francis McDormand. Yeah. With three billboards. Agreed. I was like, love you, Francis McDormand. You're great, but you basically played yourself. One hundred percent. You played yourself. <laughs> so I was like, no. Okay. Scratch three categories left. Three okay. categories left. Actress in a leading role. Cynthia Erivo for Harriet. Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story. Saoirse Ronan for Little Women. Charlize Theron for Bombshell. Renee Zellweger for Judy. Renee Zellweger, should and will. Uh, This is tough. This is tough. Renee Zellweger will win. Mm -hmm. She will win. I'm thinking I'm going to go with Saoirse. I think I'm going to go with Sersha as my should. Sure. I really liked her in that movie. I really like her in everything. She's incredible. And I would be fine with giving her all the awards now and forever. Like the Oscars start and they say, <laughs> um, there's been a change to the program. Uh, Sersha has been inserted in every single category. 
for no reason and yeah. they just keep giving and her goodbye. oscars yeah <laughs> see ya she's gonna give one speech and then we can go home great okay actor in a leading category sorry actor in a leading role category okay, okay. antonio banderas leonardo dicaprio adam driver walking phoenix jonathan price Joaquin Phoenix would and, sh- sh- and should and could will win. He will, he will win by a thousand million votes. It will be a unanimous vote and I will not have to get a tattoo and I will laugh in everyone's face. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. Wonderful. Um, I'm going to say Leo should, Joaquin will. Ooh. Don't put that on her. <laughs> the, Poor Adam Driver, man. He really killed it. He did. He ah. could, I mean, he could be the underdog. Uh, if that if happens, he would be. I'm gonna freak out. It's it. It'll be so bittersweet because it'll be so exciting, but the tattoo looming over you. I know, I know. Right on your face, like that's a bold move that no, you I'm chose. No, put it on my face. <laughs> what? Put it on my face. Probably put it on my butt. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody will ever see it. <laughs> Please. Sorry, I didn't mean to get graphic. There. Please put it on your butt. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. Probably put it really tiny somewhere in my eyelid. Oh, that's oh. gotta hurt. We talked about uh, like Wakandaing you. And oh yeah, the it, lip. Yeah, there's just like a horizontal Oscar. That would be cool. That'd yeah. be kind of cool. I don't know how much that hurts, but it's gotta be excruciating. Though your your lip, I learned, uh, heals very quickly. So mm. maybe it's a. Uh, I don't know. They tell you to like pinch. Okay. Oh, pinch, pinch yourself there. Pinch wherever you think you want to tattoo, and yeah, that's what and it'll that's feel how like. No, if okay. it's sensitive or not. But your so. nose, we're just like an Oscar. Oh, that would be horrible. You, you ever have a zit on the end of your nose, man? That'd be just terrible. <laughs> Maybe tramp stamp it. That'd be cool. Oh my gosh, please. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, anyway, we're not going to talk about that because it's not going to happen. Because <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix is the king of the world and will win. Final category. This is the big one. Dude, I'm tempted. I'm tempted after we do should and will ranking them nine, nine to one. Oh gosh. Are you prepared for something of that nature? No, but I'm going to start typing. So I remember all the movies. We don't have to do that. Let's do it. Let's do it. Why not? Ford versus Ferrari. The Irishman. Jojo Rabbit. Joker. Little Women. Marriage Story. 1917. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Parasite. Those are the nominees. Should win and will win. Kirk. I think Parasite should win. And I think 1917 will take it all. I think... So here's what I'll say. I'm going to say who I think should win, but that does not mean that it's my favorite movie of the year. Fair? Fair. That was mine yeah. as well. Uh, I think Parasite should win. Mm-hmm. And I think that Parasite will win. Mm-hmm. I think it will win. I think they're. I think this is the weird thing that the Oscars are going to do. They're going to drop us tea leaves like 1917 is going to win. They're going to give it cinematography. They're going to give it directing. Right? And then right at the end, they're going to be, boom, winner's <laughs> Parasite. They'll flip the tables on us. And I think it's the right move. I do. I think it's the right move. And if they do that, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. It, it's an incredible film. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's just so original. And Bong Joon-ho has certainly paid his dues 
and will continue to do this. I mean, he makes great movies. So he recently, someone talked to him. I don't know who it was that they sat down with him and he told them his favorite 30 films. Yeah. Uh, so there's an article we need, we need to share. I got to find it again, but it was very incredible to see like what things influence him and what he thinks are the best. So yeah, he's such an interesting person. All right, let's do this. Let's rank them nine to one. You want me to go first? Let's have you go first. All right. So nine to one. Here we go. I alluded to this last week on the podcast. In ninth place, I've got Ford versus Ferrari. In eighth place, I've got 1917. In seventh place, I've got Jojo Rabbit. In sixth place, Little Women. In fifth place, The Irishman. In fourth place, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Third place, Parasite. Second place, Joker. And my favorite of all the Best Picture nominees is Marriage Story. Beautiful list. Thank you. Thank you. I agonized over that. It was wonderfully done. I really did. My number nine spot. Let's hear it. Ford vs. Ferrari. Yep. Number eight, Jojo Rabbit. Number seven, Little Women. Number six, Marriage Story. Number five, The Irishman. Number four, Joker. Number three, Parasite. Number two, 1917. And number one, my favorite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I feel like our lists were very different. They were. Good job, us. They Woo! Were, they were, sometimes they were the same, but then there were, there were critical moments where they flipped. Like, Irishman was exactly the same spot in five. Yeah, but Marriage Story sixth. You had four for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, <sighs> man. Hurts me. That's okay. Differences are good. That's right. It's, it's the variety of the spice of life, Kirk. Otherwise, as my wife Aubrey would always say, life would be boring if we all thought and acted the same way. Does she actually say that? She does. That's such a mom. Not like this. That's such a mom thing to not, say. Not like this Victorian woman or anything, yeah. but she says it like a normal human being in 2020. I'm going to make fun of her for that. <laughs> I am. My mom used to say when we'd see uh, big weirdos at the store, yeah. you know, takes all kinds of people to make the world go around. That was her thing. <laughs> takes all kinds of people to make the world go around. Yep. And I always thought, not those kind of people, though. <laughs> we don't need those kind of people. They're they're here for sure. but Yeah. That's if you're one of those people, we apologize. If you're on peopleofwalmart.com, is that what that website's called? It is. Does that still exist? I hope so. Yeah, that that's that's who we're talking about here. If you have ever found yourself on that website, then you should question your choices. You should. I mean, you should for sure. But if you're if you find yourself on that website, you're probably pretty okay with your choices. Now I'm like super paranoid. Like someone, I was doing you're something probably weird. On there, yeah, and I'll, I, bet, I'll bet you were. I'll bet you oh are. Oh gosh. I did. A, I wore a lot of strange things. Question all your choices, Kirk. When I was a teenager. Question your whole life. Oh gosh. It's okay. Questioning your life's not that scary. I do it every day. Yeah, it's fine. That's true. I just don't want to be on that website now. I'm not going to sleep tonight. You'll be scrolling that website all the way through the archives for like the past ten years. I hope that I find someone I know. That would be cool. That would be cool. That would be awesome. <laughs> all right, Kirk. Well, the Oscars are on Sunday, and popcorn for breakfast is going to be the place to be. 
That's right. Check us out. We're going to be on social. We'll probably be doing a little bit of live video content. We'll definitely be live tweeting the entire show. Please follow us at PFB underscore podcast. We'll keep the Facebook story updated. We'll have news. We'll have reactions. We'll have all of it. So while you're watching the Oscars on Sunday, also be watching your Twitter feed and your timeline for some popcorn for breakfast content. It's going to be a good time. It is, it is the night, Kirk. I mean, it is the, in our, in our business, this is as good as it gets. That's it. And uh, I'm very, very much looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to my victory lap after I get the tattoo bet thing over with, except for the fact that I mentioned it before and I do still feel like this is true. I just, I don't think it has as good of effect if you win and you don't have to do it, you know? Hmm. Like people would be like, ah, you wouldn't have done it anyway. But I, I would. I would do it. And I hope I don't have to prove that, but I would. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun time. In the in the words of high school musical, it's gonna be the night to remember. Yeah. It's one of their songs. Is it <laughs> the it's, night to remember? It's gonna be Oh maybe it's A. It's gonna be the night to remember. Which one is that? The third one. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, it's great. We'll leave you on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Oscars on Sunday, go check that out. If you're going to the movie house this weekend, if you're going to the cinema, highly recommend you go check out birds of prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. I like saying the full title. It's pretty cool. Cause it's long. Um, that's what we'll be seeing and we'll have a full review for you next week. Uh, remains to be seen what the schedule will look like next week or remains to be seen if I'll if I'll have some sort of other debilitating disease at that time, infection, Please who knows? No. Who knows? Um, only the Lord knows. And that's, that's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you for spending your day with us. Hope you have a marvelous weekend. We will see you on Sunday for all of our coverage. Want to give a special thanks to our producer extraordinaire who helps us produce this podcast, Ryan Spriggs. He could not be here tonight because his wonderful band, the fade is playing at Blueberry Hill. They're playing in the Duck Room. So if you're in the St. Louis area, keep your eyes on those marquees for a band called The Fade. And if you're not, Spotify. Go on Spotify, type in The Fade. You'll get some amazing music. And iTunes. Um, Go buy the album. Yeah, do do all the things. They're, they're fantastic. Um, and also a huge shout-out, as always, to Ryan Spriggs and Brandon Aristide, who composed our theme music. We will see you guys on Sunday for the Oscars. Talk to you then.
on this week of coughing into the microphone. Oh, remember when we did um, <laughs> eating? What, what did yes. we call it? Eating on the radio. There we go. Ooh. That's a, that's an indistinguishable sound. No it's one, hard, right? Someone could listen to that for 30 minutes and have no idea. I would guess peanut. Just a peanut. Peanut butter M&M. Mm. 